Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. The global gift, it is such a, I don't know, I'm just so proud of everyone. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud that I'm a part of this body of believers, this family of God who is just sacrificing. Today we're talking about discover sacrifice. And, and guys, you've been doing that. I, I really cannot believe that we are over $16,000. That's amazing. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just really amazing. Um, I remember someone, I can't remember who this was, someone at the, at the beginning asked me about our goal. And, and I said, our goal is 25,000. And they said, is that just our church or are we partnering with other churches to do that? I said, well, no, that's just, that's just our church. And, and guys, we're actually really close to meeting that goal. It's, it's, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm just so proud of our church. So proud of all of you guys who have uh, just come around the global gift and the different the different emphases in the global gift and uh, done fundraisers and done creative things. I'm so proud of the creativity of our church that there's videos and there's crafts and there's there's cards and there's uh, you know wings and things and there's there's uh, talent shit. Like guys, this is I don't know. It's just so cool to be part of this this body of believers and. Uh, so thank you to everybody who is who is just giving to this and pushing this forward. And and guys, not and I understand not not everyone feels like they have they have the the money to give to this. But you know what you can give is you can promote these fundraisers this weekend. You can share them. You can like them. You can comment on them. You can come to them. And and as we're going to talk about today, even a little bit goes a long ways. So. Uh, this series has been, uh, we've been talking about Discover Abundance, and we started with uh, this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 that really talked about uh, abundance in the way of devoting ourselves to the Lord first. We've talked about generosity, we've talked about reward, and, and we've even talked about loving your enemies and, and what that means. And, and the whole time, if you remember this painting behind me, we've been trying to take, take some streams here and fill a bigger picture, right? If you think about this as almost a spectrum, you start out with, on the edges of the spectrum, you start out with just a couple colors, and they come together in the center to form, to form this, beautiful, this beautiful picture that is more, more well-rounded. And so if you notice, we haven't even talked about tithing yet. We haven't even talked about really what tithes and offerings mean. We've hinted around that and all that, but we didn't want to start with the typical church thing, because the whole goal of this series is to really form our mentality. It's really to change our perspective. It's really to discover abundance, and that has far more to do with just, uh, that has far more to do with than just money, okay? Money is, is something that's there. We're going to talk about it uh, because it has such a hold on our hearts, but that's not what this is about at all. Uh, Jesus came to give us the abundant life, and that is so much greater than money. There's so much more involved in that. And 
Uh, guys, I know that at this time, because there's a lot of stuff happening at this time, right? We're, we're in a crisis. We are, we're kind of entering the grind of the crisis, right? At first, it was kind of go, 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 and now we're kind of like, oh, we're still in this thing. How much longer is this thing going to last? I keep on hearing from people, I'm, I'm so over this. I'm so over this shelter in place and this quarantining and all this. Uh, I just want, whatever the new normal is going to be, I just want that. And people keep on saying that to me. And, and, uh, and guys, I'm sure we all feel that way. We all feel like, man, we just want to see each other. But even when we get together, we don't even know what that's going to be like. There's so many unknowns. So there's this whole crisis going on, and, and we're still trying to talk about discovering abundance in the midst of that. And then, and you know, just a month ago, we had the, the biggest mass shooting in Canadian history, right? Like this, this, horrible, this horrible act of violence happened. And, and so that, something like that is going on. And, and what do we do with that in this time? How do we talk about discover abundance? This, this past week, you know, a couple things happened. If you've been following the Ahmaud Arbery um, story and, and just all the racial tensions we have in our world, and, and this, is, this is one story about uh, just just about racial tensions. And, and so how do we discover abundance in the midst of that, in the midst of something like that happening that is just horrendous and, and uncalled for? And, 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 and w- so what do we do there? And then this past week, actually, also, um, I found out, uh, I was told that uh, Darren Patrick, a, used to be a megachurch pastor, um, committed, committed suicide this past week. And... And man, when I heard that, my heart just hurt for him. My heart hurt for the wife he left behind and, and, the, and the kids, the four kids he left behind, for the, the church that he was teaching pastor at. You know, and on, a, on Mother's Day today, like how, how, does, how does his wife Amy discover abundance in, in the midst of a, of a tragedy like this, in the midst of uh, something that is just... I mean, she's, she's said this morning, like, I just, I'm in shock. Like, I don't even know. We're, we're still trying to process what happened in all of this. This just happened a few days ago. And, and so we have all these things that, that are happening all around us. And how do we discover abundance in those things? How do we, how do we really know and experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us? It's simple and it's, and it's complex. Romans 12 says, Paul appealing on, on behalf of the mercies of God, he says, to offer your bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of service. It's your spiritual worship. It's your reasonable worship is for you to offer your life to God. It's for you to be a sacrifice that is willing and obedient. It's for you to be a living sacrifice, not a dead one, but a living one. Problem with the living sacrifice though is when we're on the altar and the fire gets hot, we get off because we can still use our legs and we we run from there. But but those who follow Jesus are called to persevere through the fire. And and the proverb says that, uh, silver is made for the crucible and the furnace for gold, or the other way around. I can't ever remember which way. Uh, uh, silver for the crucible, the furnace for gold, or gold for the furnace. Because we are like, 
unrefined precious metals in our present state, and we're going through the fire of life as living sacrifices, and out on the other side, the implication is we are to become precious metals in Christ Jesus, right? And, and that's how the Bible talks about us. But we have to offer our lives up. We have, to be, we have to be a living sacrifice to God. And that is actually the beginning of abundance. It's actually just the beginning of discovering abundance is offering your life up to God. A lot of you guys don't know this. Uh, I don't share this story much uh, uh, apart from certain, certain groups or when I talk to church planters or things like that. Um, but our, when, we, when Missy and I moved to Toronto to start Trinity Life Church, and we're only about six and a half years old, guys, almost seven years old, are our churches, so not, not that old, still, still young. I mean, think about a six and a half year old child, and they're still learning a lot of things. That's where we are. Uh, and think about a baby. We, we just talked about earlier um, Ava coming into the world. Um, the baby comes in with nothing, right? And, and that's how we felt when we moved to Toronto, Missy and I, <laughs> when we, when we uh, moved here to start Trinity Life Church. It was like we came in with nothing. And, uh, and we actually did. Like, I had very little to zero amount of skill for this. I had really no education around this. All my education was around something else. I had no training. I had zero mentors uh, at that time. I had, it, I was basically like, missionary, basically we were foolish to do this. <laughs> like it looked like foolishness to everyone we knew at that time. Uh, but we heard God and we were going to obey God because we trusted him. So we were going to walk forward in, in that obedience. We were going to be willing in obedience because we knew that that's all it takes is a simple willingness and obedience to be a living sacrifice. And we left everything. And guys, this is some of the story that you guys don't like. We left, we left jobs. We, we, had, we had our whole life there, right? We, and we could have been fine and comfortable and, and stayed in that. We left jobs, we left family. Uh, we left like on, on Mother's Day today, I don't see my mom. Missy didn't see her mom, right? Unless we're on FaceTime. Um, we left family. We left, we left security. We left comfort. And we moved here. Uh, now, typical, typical church planting mentality says you're supposed to raise a certain amount of money before you move, uh, just so that it makes sure you can, you can last. We'd raised just about 4% of our 100% total before we we heard God say move, and we did. 4%. What, what, can, we, what, what can we do with that? What, what can God do with that? We only had 4%. We moved into one of the most expensive cities in the world that is historically a church planting graveyard in, in here, the core of Toronto. And, and we said, God, here's our fishes and our loaves. I don't have much skill. I don't have much ability. I don't have... I don't have uh, I don't have much money, but, but here you go, God. We just, here's our lives, be willing and obedient. And we offer that up to God, and look what he's done with that. And that's, that's how you discover abundance. You just start, guys. You just start by offering your life to God, by saying, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's where it has to start. And see, we're not even talking about money, guys. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about possessions, anything like that. Just start by offering up your life. That's, that's what we're going to talk about today, because... Because sacrifice doesn't require abundance. 
it reaps abundance. Sacrifice doesn't require abundance. It reaps it. It reaps abundance. You know, seven, almost eight years ago, seven and a half years ago, when Missy and I moved to Toronto, we would have never, ever, ever expected to have a church like this. We would never expect to be part of building a community like this. We never expected God to use us like he's been using us. And he never promised us anything. He just said, go, and we went. And we never thought he would, he would do anything as glorious as this. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, God's realities are greater and more wonderful than your dreams. Guys, what we had dreamed was, was paltry compared to, the, compared to what God has, has given us at Trinity Life Church. And he's just taken the fishes and the loaves and he's multiplied. And that's what, the, the, that's what we're going to talk about as we go through this, this account in the scriptures today. Uh, but let me give you a little bit of context because here we are in Mark chapter 12. And we're actually, in this, these few verses, those are the last, uh, this is the last narrative of Christ's public ministry in the gospel of Mark. So this is the very last thing that Mark leaves us with in Jesus' public ministry. The, the next couple chapters in Mark are, are just Jesus with his disciples, then Jesus being crucified and, and raised. So um, this is the very last thing. So, it, so it's very significant. It's like Jesus' last words publicly, and, and Mark chose to put these ones in there as his last words publicly, right? So you have here in Mark chapter 11... Uh, That's the start of the, of the last week, what's often called the Passion Week. Uh, passion meaning uh, suffering. And so you have here the last week of Jesus' life. And he enters Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11 uh, on, on Palm Sunday, right? And everyone's praising Jesus. This is Palm Sunday. Everyone's celebrating him. Everyone's declaring his praises, all this. And then Jesus enters the temple in Mark 11. And, and the first thing he does in the temple, and this is the temple narrative, guys. Uh, what we have here, there's, the first thing he does is the bookend. And, and the, last, the last passage we're going to talk about today is the other temple bookend. And, and the first thing Jesus does when he enters in the temple here, according to Mark, is he, he cleanses it. Now, that doesn't mean he went and dusted things and he mopped and swept and tidied up. No, he actually... I ransacked the place. He went in there and he cleared, he just cleared it out. And the outer court of the temple, now you got to think about uh, the, the temple. There's this big outer court area, then there's the inner court, and there's, there's Gentile areas, and there's Jewish areas, and, and there's male areas, there's female areas, all these things. And so he's in the outer part of the temple, and he clears it out because it's being used for, an, it's for the wrong purpose. The purpose it was meant to be for, it's not being used for. People are selling stuff in there. It's become a marketplace. It's, it's become a place where, where um, people are making money. And he says, this is not what it's supposed to be about. This is not my father's house. And he starts like overturning tables and he, he clears it out. And he says these words. He says, my house, which is a very authoritative statement when he says my house, Right? That's a, if that doesn't express his divinity, I don't know, I don't know what statement does. I mean, that, he's saying, this is my house. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. For all the nations. For the Gentiles included, for all the nations. This is, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 56 here. 
And, and so we even see that in, in Isaiah, way back in, in the Old Testament, right? That, that the Gentiles had a place in, in the plan of, of God. He says, but you've made a den of robbers, which is a quote from, from or an allusion to Jeremiah. You made a den of robbers, a, a, place, a dwelling place, a place of security for, for the unjust is basically what he's saying. And so that's how this temple narrative starts off. And then, and then he goes on and he's in the temple and all, all the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the scribes, they're trying to trick him and trap him with, with questions because they know if, if they can get him to say the right thing, and it, and it goes against the Romans or it goes against this group or it does that or incites people, then they can get him. They can get him legally in a court of law and they can crucify him. They can kill him. They can put him to death. They can punish him. They can do something to him. They haven't been able to trip him up. And they've been trying to for a long time to trip him up. And now he's in the temple. And they don't know this, but we know it's the last, last, it's the last week of his life. And over the next couple of days, they're asking him all these questions. And so they ask him all these questions, and, and one of them they ask is, is about money. And they say, it's about taxes. And they say, Jesus, who do we pay taxes to? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Should we pay them or should we not? This is in chapter 12. And he says, and he says to them, bring me, a, bring me a coin, a denarius. So he, he gets the coin and he says, whose face is on this? And they say, well, it's Caesar's. And he says, well, then give to Caesar's what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. And they marvel at him, it says. They're astonished by it. They're, they're stunned by it because they don't know what to, do with, what to do with what he just said. So what is, what is Jesus saying there? Is he saying pay your, pay your taxes and your tithes? Is he, is he saying, um, well, money is a man-made construct? Is he saying that Give, give to Caesar money, but give to God something else? Or maybe he's saying, maybe saying all those things. Maybe he's saying every, every one of those things. Because what Jesus, I think, is getting at here in this passage is that abundance and generosity, the abundant life, is not about money. Do you really think that God needs your money? I mean, it, if God needed it so badly, why would he bless you with it? Why would he give it, give it to you? So then what do we mean when we say you should give back to God? What do we mean when we say you should give to God? Well, like I said earlier, it's something more grand. It's something much more holistic than money. Money is simply the physical object or a physical object. So then what, what is it about? Well, after this, Jesus, the Sadducees, the Sadducees, another religious group, they come to talk to him about the resurrection. They try to trick him. They try to trap him. And, and the last thing he says to them is God, is, God is God not of the dead, but actually he's God of the living. He's God of the living. Remember, living sacrifices, right? He's God of the living. And then a scribe comes to him and tries to trap him and says, what's the greatest, most important commandment, Jesus? And he says this. He says, well... It's love God with everything you are and love your neighbor with everything you are. Everything. With everything you are. Your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. All that you are, your entire being, love God with. And then, when you can do that, all of your being, love your neighbor as you would yourself. With everything you are. 
And when the scribe answers him, he says, the scribe says to him, well, wow, you're right, teacher. It's kind of a funny statement there. And Jesus answers him and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're really close. Now just live those things out. That's basically what he's alluding to. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And then he, in the passage right preceding, just preceding this, he says, beware of the scribes, actually. He says, they walk around in long robes. They, they like to do the outward things. They like to look the most righteous. They like to do all the things on the outside. But they also devour widows' houses. And they make a pretense for long prayers. And they'll receive greater condemnation for that. I don't know exactly what Jesus means when he says they devour widows' houses. But what's clear is they're taking, they're taking advantage of those who are poor and oppressed. And in the very next passage, he commends a poor and an oppressed widow. And that's where, where we find ourselves today. And so in verse 41, Jesus <clears throat> sits down. He says, he, and he sat down opposite the treasury. Remember, this is the last thing, in the, the last thing he does in the temple. Uh, and his, his, his death is uh, a couple days away. So he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't commend. He's just watching. 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. A few things of significance here. One, she's poor. Two, she's female. And three, she's a widow. And four, She's in an impressed society. So she's poor, she's female, and she's a widow in an oppressed society by the Romans. And basically what this means is that in that society, she had very, very, very few options to make a living for herself, to earn money. Basically, she had nothing. And in that society, she, she was completely destitute. And then what she has in her hands are leptas. They're two small Palestinian coins. They're the smallest denomination available at that time. And she has two of them. And so when it says that she puts these two into the offering box, they make a penny. Basically, she puts in next to nothing. She puts in two half cents. Like she puts in next to nothing. I mean, just put yourself in her position. And she's following up behind all these rich people who have all the fancy robes on, who have all the fancy headgear uh, and all the fancy garb. And she's following. They put in large sums of money. And she reaches in her pocket and pulls out two small coins. Do you think she thought, can God even do anything with this? This is all I have. Can he even do anything with this? Do you think she thought, would this even help? And some of you guys, that's what you deal with. You don't make as much money as the next person or the next person, or you compare yourself to anybody, right? You don't make as much money as so-and-so. And you may think, now all I have is, is, a, is a couple loonies here. All I have is $5. All I have is $10 here, whatever it is. Can God even do anything with this? 
And that's, that's what she's going through right now, probably. She looks at these coins in her hands. She looks at these guys. And she's saying, what is my offering even going to do? What is this even going to do for the kingdom of God? And I, and I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, who was a former Toronto pastor, by the way. Um, he says, any temporal possession, any temporal possession, we're talking money, house, shoes, clothes, the shirt off your back, food, whatever it is, any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. You see that? Like, so, so what mattered wasn't what she had in her hands. What mattered was, what she was, was how she was going to give it. Jonathan and our BLG on Tuesday noted that she put both coins in. She reaches in her pocket or, or whatever, her bag, whatever, and she sees two coins left. Maybe she has them in separate hands. And she puts both of them in. She doesn't put one in and keep the other for herself. She actually takes both and she puts both of them in. She could have kept them for herself. But, but here's the thing, guys. The question of sacrifice, which is what we're talking about today, the question of sac- sacrifice isn't how much you're giving to God. He'd care less about how much you're giving to him. And the question about sacrifice, and if you're sacrificing, is how much are you keeping for yourself? That changes your perspective. Now, she could have put one in and kept one and said, well, I gave 50% to God and, and I kept 50 for myself. But she gave 100% to God and kept 0% for herself. We're not talking about tithing today. We'll talk about it next week, actually. But just think about this as a good example for the tithe. It's a simple one. And, and we'll talk about what the tithe means biblically and all that next week. Um, and, I, and, and I hope it's informative and all that. But today, uh, let, let me just use the tithe as an example, what we think the tithe is an example as, as 10%. And, and so we have, uh, j- just say, well, maybe you're, you're, you're saying, why tithe? So I give 10% of my income. And, and, and you, could, you could look at it that way. Well, I'm good because I give 10%. But the question about sacrifice is how much are you keeping for yourself? And when you flip that and say, well, I'm actually keeping 90%, that should really show where your heart is. Because you're saying, well, I'm going to give 10% to God, and I'm going to keep 90% for myself. It's like the pizza analogy I used in the first week. It's you have a hungry child coming up to you, and you're saying, well, here, I have 10 slices of pizza, but I'm going to give you, I'm just going to give you one slice. And the kid says, well, you don't need all nine. You're not going to eat all this. And you're like, no, that's, I'm not. But I'm going to save them for later or, or, or something like that, right? And it's that mentality of, of hoarding that gets, that gets us um, in, in trouble with this. And so here, the question of sacrifice, guys, remember, is not how much you're giving to God. You can't measure your sacrifice to God. It's how much you're keeping for yourself. Remember, living sacrifices you're to give your whole life to God. Now, let, let's think about this. We, we use tithing as an example, but think about this in terms of your life. How, what, what, percentage of your, what percentage of your life are you keeping for yourself versus what percentage of life are you giving to God? You may never thought about it like that where you think of your life in percentages, but, but um, for many of us, that's, that's really what our issue is here. You see, those, those rich people, they had a lot of money. 
and they gave a lot of money, but they also kept a lot of money. And this poor widow, as we're about to see, she gave everything she had to live on. Remember, sacrifice doesn't require abundance. It reaps abundance. So here in verse 40, 44 to 43, sorry, 43 to 44 says, and Jesus calls us up to him and said to him, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who contributed to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So Jesus here, he says, he says that this poor widow has put in more now, what's he talking about here? Because he can't be talking about amounts because we already know that they put in more money. So that can't be what matters to him, right? It, Jesus doesn't care if you put in 5000 or or $5, right? That's, that's not what he cares about. And typically we would say, so what, well, we'd say, well, he cares about your heart, right? But, but let's nuance that a little bit. What Jesus cares about is your life. He wants your life. You're to be a living sacrifice. He wants all of you. And guess what, guys? If, if you can devote yourself first to the Lord, like the Macedonian churches did, if you can give your life to God, if you can give your life to Jesus, giving money to Jesus isn't a problem at all. And those of you who have issues with giving money to, to the church, to, to, to God, I want to ask you this morning, have you given your life fully to God? Because if you do, then that shouldn't be a problem. Now, there may be issues where you're like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm wary about the church. I, I don't trust the, the leadership. I don't, I don't know if, where the money's going, those things. Guys, just ask us. You can, we're, we're open book with that. Um, you can ask us those questions. If you're part of Trinity Life Church, you, you, you have every right to ask us where money is going and, and all those things. As, as you know, we don't put, we don't put money in, in uh, we, we, tr- we don't put money in things that are needless. We try to put a lot of our money into the community, into the city, into reaching other people for Jesus. So you can always ask us. And if you still don't trust us, then go to another church where you do trust people. Because this is, this is how the family of God works. Like we are a family doing this together. So if you... If you don't believe in the mission, the vision, the values of Trinity Life Church, and you don't want to contribute towards that, then find a church where you can actually be faithful to God in, in doing that. And we'll talk about that more next week, but I just want to say, guys, if, if you can give your life to Jesus, giving anything else to Jesus is easy. Like, if you can actually give your life, man, you'll give your house, you'll give your house for Jesus, you'll give your, your wardrobe to Jesus, you'll give your car, you'll give... You'll give your savings account. You'll give whatever it is because temporal possessions no longer have a hold on you because you see that temporal possessions, according to that quote from Tozer, are meant to be touched with immortality from Christ. I just want to urge you into that this morning. That's, that's, a, that's just the beginning of discovering abundance is giving your life to Jesus, is giving it all to Jesus. Um, from the start of our church, even before we moved, before Missy and I moved here, we've had a financial supporter who he gives $10 every week. He writes a check, puts it in an envelope, writes his name on the envelope, puts a stamp on it, mails it every single week he does that. $10. 
over the past seven to eight years. So now we're talking, if you accumulate all that, we're talking thousands of dollars, right? Every single week, he's been faithful to do that. And I actually wrote to him this week because I, I, I don't even know if I know this person, guys. I, I know his name, but we met a lot of people in the early days of we were fundraising and trying to raise money for, for the church. And uh, I still do fundraising, by the way. I, I go out and I, I raise money for the church. Um, and for what we do, I raise money for the new common and, and what, we, what we do here. And a lot of you guys probably don't even know that either. Uh, but I spend a lot of time fundraising. And, and this guy, I wrote, a, I wrote a note to him this week uh, because I was just meditating on his pastor and I thought, man, I just, I don't know if I know him. I don't know if I've met him. I'm sure I've met him sometime, but, and I may recognize his face, but um, the name, I'm, I don't know who to place that with. And I, I think I know what church he was from when we visited that church and, and spoke about Toronto and, and all those things. But um, it is such... Seeing him write a check to Trinity Life Church every week for the past eight years. Like, that takes effort, right? He's not going online and doing it. He's actually writing a physical check and, and sending that in and mailing that in. And it just blows me away at this, that this man would do that. What a, what, what a picture of someone giving their life to Jesus. And he's not part of our church, guys. He's in another country, not part of our church, right? He hasn't met any of us, uh, any of you guys. And, uh, and, he, and yet, because of his sacrifice, he gave Miss and I such energy that someone believed in, in what God was telling us to do. Such energy, such, such impetus to go out and do what, what uh, God had asked us to do. And because of that, he's helped plant seven churches. You know, that's part of our vision, right? He's... He's helped us partner with 40 organizations, right? That's part of our vision, too. He's seen people come to Christ through our church. You know what? Actually, he probably hasn't seen that. That's happened, but he hasn't seen it because he doesn't know. Like, actually, for all he knows, he might not even exist anymore. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't have direct communication with him. It's, it's crazy uh, what this guy has sacrificed. And, and uh, yeah, that's just a picture of, of someone saying, you know what, I'm going to trust Jesus and I'm going to give what I can. Again, sacrifice doesn't require abundance. It reaps abundance. And through his $10 a week, he's reaped abundance in the kingdom of God by seeing a church, multiply churches, a church give DNA, a church work with organizations, a church reach people for Jesus, a church influencing our city and our world. Because it's just, it blows my mind when I think of what $10 a week can do. And who knows what he's sacrificing, right? He may have said, he may have said, you know what? I go to Starbucks twice a week, and I'm going to sacrifice that for this church plant. He could have said, you know what? I, um, I go play, play golf once a month, and, or, or twice a month, but I'm going to only go once a month. And I'm going to sacrifice my, 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 green, my, my green fees or whatever they're called. Um, who knows what he's sacrificing, what he looked at his life and said, you know what? I'm going to not do that anymore in order to do this. Because he may never see or know of the kingdom influence he's had um, personally, but he trusts God with that. David Harley in our BLG this week 
talked about how how this whole thing is is uh, I mean we've talked about this is all about the upside down kingdom right and David Harley pointed us back to the Sermon on the Mount and and he says you know I wonder if what Jesus is doing here is like a Sermon on the Mount thing because in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus says hey you've heard that it was said don't murder but I tell you this I tell you even if you harbor anger in your heart you've you're liable for judgment you know you've heard that it was said don't commit adultery. But I've told you this, that, that even if you look at somebody with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus takes the surface level command, the surface level thing, and he, and he gives us this deep truth. And similarly in this passage, I think Jesus might be saying something like this. You've heard, you've heard it said to give your money to God or to give your money to church. But I tell you, give your life to God. He's, he's just going below the surface. And he says, then this widow, this poor widow, she gave everything. And our religiously, legalistically bent hearts, we just want to check the box. You know, you might want to be faithful, but you're just checking the box. I gave. Or you're, you're saying, I don't need to check that box. Um, and, and, our, and, and our religiously, legalistically bent hearts can easily end up being held captive by money rather than first devoting ourselves to the Lord. Daniel in our BOG this week, he also said, this is in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, I believe, that Jesus says that if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is saying there is that they were the most religious, outwardly righteous people at least they looked that way, of, of that day. And if we can't even live up to their standards and even exceed that, what hope do we have? We don't have hope because we can never do enough or give enough to the kingdom to be justified before God for our sinful nature. And the good news is, as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're, you're already a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which means you already have the favor of God. Remember, that's the reward we talked about two weeks ago, where he says you will be called sons of the most high God. That's, we already have that. So when you give, guys, don't give legalistically, like, like Archie talked about last week. We're to be cheerful in doing that because God has freed us from that. He doesn't need our money. He needs your life. He wants your life. And Jesus, this is the last thing he says to the disciples, and in just a couple of days, he's going to do just that. He's going to give everything. He's going to give everything for you. He's going to give everything for me. He's going to give everything for this world. And this is kind of like the second time he's done this, because he's already stepped out of heaven. Right? So he gave up all that, and then now he's already given up his, his whole livelihood. Maybe it's the third, and now he's about to give his life. And he's going to do it so that you would choose his life, that you would choose his death, that we would choose all that as your own, that you would choose his sacrifice, and that you would begin to discover abundance. So if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, that's the start of it. You don't have to worry about all the religious stuff. Just start by giving your life to God. Start by giving your life to Jesus. And if, you're, if you consider yourself a Christian this morning, you're like, man... I don't know if I've done that. 
now's your chance. Now's your chance to say, Jesus, you have all of me. You have all of everything you've given me. None of this is mine. Everything you've given me, all of it is yours. And so you see, being a living sacrifice isn't about, isn't, I mean, it is about giving up everything, but it's also about gaining everything. Jesus says this. He says, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. What are you willing to give to God in order to gain? He says, lose your life and then you'll find it. Be a living sacrifice. Give up everything like this poor widow did and say, I fully trust and depend on you, God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for your sacrifice. We only know what sacrifice is because you sacrificed for us. And you showed us what that could even look like. We don't know what love is because you first loved us. So thank you, Father, for your love. Make us a community who loves, who loves you, who loves our neighbor, who doesn't just love each other, but actually loves our city and, and takes part in reconciling all things to Christ Jesus. We give our lives to you. This church is your church. Everything we have is yours, Jesus. Take us and do, and do whatever you want with us. We pray in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.